Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about how Adam's fall was really not about what he did, but what God did in response to Adam's fall. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Lord, today our hearts are like closed books, and there's empty pages on those books, and they're sitting on bookshelves. And Lord, just now we ask you to take the books of our hearts off of those shelves, open the books, Lord, write on the blank pages the truths of your word this morning as we study. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now if you take your your Bibles now and follow along as I read in Genesis chapter 3, beginning verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou should not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me. She gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened, Unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles also shall it bring to thee, bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return to the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Now, we've been studying so far this tragic downfall. That's what it really was. It was a downhill course that Eve followed that finally led to that momentous, terrible event we call the fall. And when we study what happened to Eve and look at it carefully, the very worst thing that we can do as students in studying this is to take a particular position where we, we get on our high judge's platform and say, Eve, you are so dumb. How could you do that? I would never fall like that, Eve. That's very dangerous. If we do that, it's extremely dangerous. Why? Because in 2 Peter 3.17, Peter told us, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. See what Peter said? He said, you know these things, now you beware. 
Because you beware because you could become an also statistic. And also along with E, very easy, you could be led away by the air of the wicked and you are steadfast now, but you can fall from that steadfastness. That's what Peter was saying. And a, we were just a strong believer very recently fell and we were discussing it just last week. And one person said it like this. He said, in the very area that he prided himself as being strong, that's the very area that he fell in. So the best thing that we can do is to recognize that you and I are just as weak as Eve. I remember a corporate president one time who'd been convicted of fraud, went to prison, served time, and then the FBI actually had a meeting of company presidents and they invited him to be the speaker. And so they waited for him to appear on the platform and he was behind stage and all of a sudden he comes out wearing his orange prison uniform, and everybody was shocked. And the first words that he said out of his mouth was this, let me tell you, from my experience, you are just one bad decision away from wearing this uniform. You know what Eve would say to us if she came here today and she would, and we would be discussing her, she would say, look, you are just one bad decision away from doing what I did. That's important for us to keep in mind. We're just one bad decision away. So let's learn from her how she fell into sin. Let's take all the precautions we can to keep ourselves from falling in the same way that she did so we don't do what she did. Now, the first is the first, and, and like we just said, the first thing to realize is that we're just one bad decision away. This can affect us. And so we are capable of falling into sin. We have to say that we are capable of falling into sin. It doesn't matter how long we may have known the Lord Jesus Christ, walked with him, been in his word, been people of prayer, know all the hymns in the church, be regular in the attendance, one bad decision away from falling. And that's very important. Now, she knew. Now, let's just consider Eve just in our mind for a minute and just look at her here and and say, did she know what she was not supposed to do? Well, she knew that she was not supposed to eat from the tree. Very good. Now, let's just set aside this issue that we've talked about in the past about the fact that Eve added to what God said. And let's just say that Eve also, in her mind, really sincerely knew that there was something else that she was not supposed to do. She was not supposed to touch the tree. Now, uh, let's just set aside the issue of her adding to what God said, and let's just kind of put the best spin that we can on it for Eve. And if we do that, we we would say, uh, she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. She was wrong to say that you would die if you touched it. But it was not bad for her to have a certain personal policy to not touch the tree. That's okay. That was going in the right direction. Give the tree a wide berth. You know, as a personal policies, that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with personal policies. Personal policies are good things. The Bible doesn't say, well, you know, now, ladies, you should uh, not come to church with bikinis. Bible doesn't say that, but ladies have personal policies, not come to church with the bikinis. That's a good thing. Thank you, ladies, for having that personal policy. 
Eve had a personal policy about her hand. And with regard to her hand, her personal policy was don't touch the fruit. But she didn't have a personal policy about another part of her body. And that part of her body was one that we wish she did. And you know what part of that body she didn't have a personal policy about? Her eye. Her eye. She didn't have a personal policy to not look at the fruit of the tree. Eve, why didn't you say, neither shall we touch it nor look at it? Eve, where's the guard? Where's the guard, Eve, on your eyes? A guard, Eve, a guard. You need a guard for your eyes, Eve. And Satan knew. Satan knew that Eve did not have a personal policy on what she would not look at. Satan knew that if Eve left her eye gate with no guard, which she did, Satan knew this about Eve, and so that's why it says in Genesis 3, 5, We see the serpent moving in with all of his senses on high alert. He's honed in, he's honing in, and he's looking for where's that weak spot in Eve. And he's got it, and it's her eyes. And that's exactly the area that he uses to bring Eve down through those unguarded eyes. See verse verse 5 Eve, your eyes, those eyes of yours opened, Eve. Your eyes shall be open. You should be, oh, yeah. look, Eve, look, the fruit. Just look right over here, Eve. Just look. And with no guard on her eyes, there's no resistance. And so she just lets her eyes go on and, and look. You know what this shows us about Satan? Satan is an analyzer. And he analyzes each one of us. And he watches for the area of our weakness, like he found it with Eve in her eyes. And he, you, can, you can bet he's going to, like a snake, hone right in on that particular area, which is what he did. So now you look at verse 6, and it says, And the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And she saw with those unguarded eyes. And then notice what it says. It was pleasant to the eyes. And you know my story. That is an eight-year-old Jewish boy, a bad boy, put into military school. That's not where Jewish parents put their kids, but they did me. And the first thing they told me when I was in school is they said, now this is the fire alarm right here. Don't touch it. Well, when they said that to me, don't touch it. That fire alarm became the center of my attention. It became the center of my focus. It became a must-do every day. I had to touch the fire alarm. One day, the fire alarm went off. Once Satan had Eve fixated on that tree, she was like me with the fire alarm. That was the only interesting thing in the garden there. Just like for me, the fire alarm was the only interesting thing. That tree became for her the most beautiful, the most desirable tree of all the trees that are in the garden. And then she lusted after that tree. And her soul became overpowered by the fascination that she had with that tree. She said, I wonder what it looks like from this side and from that side. I wonder how it grows. And she just became consumed by that tree. And pretty soon, her compulsive occupation with that tree left her out of control. 
and she was out of control, way beyond the point of any constraint, till finally she couldn't stand it any longer. She couldn't stand it anymore, and she just had to take that fruit of the tree. And she says there, and she took the fruit thereof and did eat. What do we learn from this? First, the actual fall itself, it was, it was pretty quick, just like that. It was just, 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 it just right away, it just happened. So quick, so easy. The critical point came during the temptation before. Back up. That's where the critical point comes. The fall's a fall. It's quick. Where did Eve go wrong? Eve, as we've said, posted no guard on her eyes. There was no guard on her eyes. She decided she didn't have to have a guard posted on her eyes. Now, before the fall, Eve said, in essence, I've decided to not have a guard at my eyes. And that was the one bad decision that she made. Just like we talked about, one bad decision before the fall. That was her bad decision that stood between Eve and the fall. What's the lesson? We need to post a guard at our eyes. That's so important. It's so important to have a guard at our eyes. It's not only important for Eve. It's not only important for for women. It's especially important for men, for us. Why? Because if we men don't put a guard at our eyes, we'll be giving ladies the once-over. Then the once-over will become a twice-over. Then the twice-over eventually will become a 14-time-over. And there goes out the window friendship with God. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, put it really well when he said in Lamentations 3.51, mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. He realized, Jeremiah realized that his eye was being taken away by watching all the girls go by in his city, watching all the pretty girls in his city. And it wasn't just his eyes that was fascinated. He says, mine heart, mine eye is affecting my heart. What does he mean by that? You know, these women are beautiful and gorgeous and, and friendship with God. Nah, ooh, not any friendship with God. Those there. See, he saw that. He saw that that was happening. And he understood this. He understood that his heart was chained to his eyes. And so he said to himself, it's gonna come down to a decision, a heart for God or an eye for ladies. What's it gonna be, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah made that choice. And he says, because I saw this, he says, it's gonna be a heart for God. You know, Proverbs 4.23 gives us the, the, the priority in these kinds of decisions. It reads like this, keep And that's the word guard. Keep thy heart with all diligence, every bit of strength that you have. Keep that heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? It says, for out of it are the issues of life. What's that mean? That means that when our hearts have a friendship with God, we have life because we are connected to the life giver. Today you mentioned the verse in 2 Peter 3.17 where it said that we can be led away with the error of the wicked and fall from our own secure position. What is the error of the wicked and 
How are we led away into it? Well, clearly the air of the wicked as described all throughout the Bible is one word, P-R-I-D-E. That was the air of Satan that caused him to lose his position, to become the devil, to fall from his place of his name of Lucifer, to, to have hell created for him and his angels. It was all because of pride. So what he seeks to do is to lead us into pride. What is pride? Pride is actually just an overrating or an overestimation of self. God wants us to always keep in mind that we were made from the dust of the earth. And as made from the dust of the earth, that should drive us to a place of utter dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ, of a of complete abandonment of self-confidence and, and of highly esteeming ourselves. To be led away with the air of the wicked is to put great value on ourselves. And so this is why when it speaks about in James 1, 14 through 15, it speaks about lust, but if you think about it, when you give in to lust, when we give in to lust, it's because we have overrated our needs. We have overestimated our feelings. So James 1, 14 through 15 says this, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away. See, there it is, led away, drawn away. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So here... We are here it describes to us that we are led away, we are drawn away when we become so proud and so interested in ourselves that when the tempting lust comes, instead of saying it, it is coming from a uh, from a, a a person who was made out of clay and should never be heated to because it'll only destroy my relationship with the one I need, the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of doing that, we put great value on ourselves, great value on the fact of my feeling, my need, my desire. And doing that, then we are led away into the air of the wicked, which is responding to our lust. And it says that that's only the beginning because it says lust is a conception. And when it does conceive, in other words, when our lust is married together with our will and there is a conception, there is a child that is born, and that child, as, as analogy is given here, is called sin. And he says, and then when sin, when it has finished its work, brings forth death. And God is life, and God has designed that we should be people of life. And so, therefore, we need to say no to ourselves, and that means also saying no to our pride. We say no to the lust within us, and therefore, there is no marriage between our lust and our will, and there is no conception, and there is no bringing forth the sin, and there is no bringing forth the death as a result of it. And Tom, today you also had an interesting phrase that you mentioned, and that we are one bad decision away from tragedy. One bad decision. Now, that's frightening. Now, how do you not make those tragic bad decisions that we're one bad decision away from? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we're, we're faced with decisions every single day, and it does put a lot of burden on you to think, boy, one bad decision and I could fall? Well, it's true. And so, therefore, we have to train ourselves to be dependent on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ, but to highly value above everything else our relationship with him, the fact that he is pleased with us, smiling at us. And we see in the example of Joseph how to not make that bad decision. When he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, and when she every day wore on him, trying to wear him down by saying, Joseph, lie with me, lie with me. And so the issue here in Joseph's mind was not just that it was wrong, that it was adultery, but his answer is very, very revealing in Genesis 39.9. Why is it revealing? Because if we grasp what he said thousands of years ago and seek to incorporate his spirit into us, we'll be kept from that one bad decision that'll lead us into tragedy. Here's what he said. There's none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. And here's the key. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against? And the word he said next gives the whole secret. God, how can I sin against God? Now, would it have been a sin against her husband? Absolutely. But he didn't say that. Would it have also have been a sin against her? Yes. It would have dragged her down even further into her sin. But he didn't say that. Because eclipsing everyone else was God and his mind. And therefore, he said, the worst thing about this is that it would be sinning against God. It would put a frown on God's face when he looked at me. It would bring displeasure. It would grieve him in his heart. I won't do that to him. See, life becomes very, very simple when we don't see, first and foremost, the Potiphar's in our lives, the Potiphar's wives in our lives, but all we see is the Lord Jesus Christ. And our whole goal in life is to please him and not displease him. Then anything that comes up is weighed in that balance. Anything that come up is passed through that filter. Would this please or displease the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the key for Joseph when he said, how can I sin against God? And just thinking about that one bad decision, that one good decision that Joseph made, it actually landed him in a position that he didn't want to be in, which was prison. Now, talk to us about, like, sometimes our decisions, we make them good, but where they land us is not where we want to be. Well, that's true. I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if the Bible just said, and he said that, and everybody believed him, and Joseph had a wonderful, uh, very, very uh, comfortable life after that. Far from it. He wasn't believed, and he was falsely accused, and he was thrown in prison. So to make the right decision is... Not always not dangerous, because. But we'll put it this way: it was adventurous for 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 Joseph. You know, we would rather be on God's side 
and go through the adventure that he went through, even in prison, than to take the, the to, to not be on God's side and to enjoy, as the Bible says, the pleasures of sin for a season. See, because we are people of eternity. What does that mean? That means we live for eternity. We live to prove the eternal God. We are heading for eternity. We we don't say you only live once, so let's get it all now. Let's cash in our chips while we can. That's not our position as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as followers of him. And so, therefore, when you look at the rest of Joseph's life, yes, it was hard for him because he made the right decision, but Joseph and we need to be far-sighted to look beyond just this period of time when he was in prison, to see God had said the promises that he did make to Joseph, and God has said many, many wonderful promises to us, such as that he would never leave us nor forsake us, such that I has not seen nor even ear has heard the things that he has laid up for us, such that such things such as our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared. They're so light compared to the glory that shall be revealed. All these wonderful promises. So God has not promised us a comfortable life or a life without adventure, but he has promised to be with us if we walk with him, if we make the right decisions, if we choose him above all else as Joseph did. That's our goal. Thank you for joining us today. Hanukkah is now over and ended, but do you have a Jewish friend that you need to reach with a gospel gift on the last day after Hanukkah? Well, you can do that by calling us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051, and we can help you to reach a lost Jewish person or relative or friend or neighbor or coworker with the gospel. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051, and we can get you a Tom Cantor testimony DVD and booklet so that you can give to a lost Jewish person or family member or relative. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Go to friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow.